This podcast is sponsored by Two for All Anchorage. For 45 years, we have allowed the controlling party of the 11-member Anchorage Assembly the power to decide which single district shall receive only one vote, while all other districts receive two. In 2022, the current Assembly will have the opportunity to move the single vote out of District 1 and into a different district, possibly your district. On April 7th, tell the Assembly no thanks to cutting your representation in half. Strip them of their power by mandating all districts are to be equal in population with an equal number of votes by voting yes on 12. Don't risk losing half your representation in 2022. Vote yes on 12 and eliminate the rotating single-member district. Learn more at yeson12anchorage.com. Approved and paid for by Two for All Anchorage, Yes on 12. 7146 Terry Street, Anchorage, Alaska, 99502. Robert Couples Chair, Top Contributors, Pip Printing, Anchorage Education Association, Greg Gallagher, and Cliff Grow. All right, folks, back here with uh, newly confirmed Representative Mike Prox. How you doing? I am doing well. Thank you. Prox or Prax? Prox. Prox. Like yep. Some people say Prax. Most people do, including my wife. So you're here in, uh, <laughs> I've done a podcast in this office before. This used to be Representative Field's office, right? That could be. The, I think, they, they I think they, it was Representative Wilson was here last, I think. I think, well, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, because Fields moved to the fourth floor to a bigger mm-hmm. one, but um, mm-hmm. here we are on the first floor. So you, yep. you just got confirmed, what, a few weeks ago? It's been... uh, this will be the end of my second week today. And you replaced former Representative Tammy Wilson, who resigned to take a job with uh, Health and Social Services. Right. And I was actually, I went to Fair- North Pole mm-hmm. to go to your, uh, the, the meeting where they chose the three names, and like prior meetings, I was not allowed to watch, which was yep. kind of, it was a long flight. But yeah. I got in later, and they let me kind of, they gave the, the three names. It was you, actually, uh, Todd, what's his name? The guy who works Todd. for... Todd. Oh, my God. I'll think of it Tom. in a second. And, Tom uh, Studler. Studler, right. Yes. Tom Studler, who works for uh, his wife. Dave Tellerico, Representative Tellerico. Yeah, and his wife works for um, Representative Thompson. Thompson. Mm-hmm. And then there was um, Doug Isaacson, but he wasn't oh. one of the three names, was he? Correct. Um... It was Fred, Fred, v, Fred, Fred Villa, Villa or Villa. Yeah. So when you when you got when you were replied, there was five of you, and then three names went to the governor. Did you feel pretty? Because you had kind of helped out the campaign, right? You had supported the governor two years ago, right? So did you feel pretty good, or were you kind of like, oh, well, maybe. yeah, I felt pretty good about it um, because of that, and oh, I don't know. Um, I, there's always an e- either choice. He couldn't have made a bad choice. Yeah, it was three. Yeah, yeah three kind of involved folks. Yep. So we'll talk about being here in the legislature a little bit later. But first, I want to kind of go back. We were talking before the podcast. So interesting. You moved to, to North Pole, you said 1969? 69. Mm-hmm. And tell me a little bit about that, because it was interesting about oh, some movie you, your parents saw. Or? Well, my dad saw the movie. It's called This Is My Alaska. And it's just a film about hunting and fishing adventures in Alaska. And he thought that was great. So he wanted to do that. And. And away were, we went a couple of years later. <laughs> and you were where, Minnesota? In Yeah, in a little town called Fairfax, Minnesota. So how old were you? I was 13. So you came, so were you, in Minnesota, I assume it was pretty cold, right? Or where you were? Yeah. So mm-hmm. the, the cold wasn't maybe the, the big shock? Um, no, not, not well, the, the raw cold was, that took some getting used to, but 
in Minnesota, you get lots of wind and lots of storms. And uh, so it was, as far as in, in the interior, once you figure out how big a jacket you need and find a pair of bunny boots and how do you get your car started, it's not bad. But in Minnesota, it's a lot colder because of the wind. So you must have graduated high school around, what, 75? 74. So did you do anything with pipeline? or? Cause I didn't, no. I, I couldn't get on the construction part of it. Um, I've heard crazy stories about Fairbanks during the pipeline, was. the drugs and the women and the partying. Yeah, it was and great. The money. Yep. yep. So what, what were you Were you in North Pole during the pipeline boom? Or? Well, you, we lived in North Pole, but we, we had a uh, bakery and restaurant right down on 2nd Avenue, right in the middle of it. Oh, you guys must have done pretty good, huh? It was great. Yep. So your parents started the bakery and restaurant? In 1972, I think it was, and um, the building was owned by Mike Stepovich, former governor Mike Stepovich, so it was kind of the political hangout uh, for, you might say, Goldwater Republicans. <laughs> oh, Barry Gold, yeah, Barry yeah, Goldwater. Right. Yeah. So, you worked there, or did you come? Oh, yeah, I worked there. I... Um, Roughly, mom and I closed the place down, and my old brother and dad opened it up. <laughs> so, did you see? I mean, during the pipeline boom, were there a lot of characters coming in there and uh, workers? It was, it was great. Yep, lots of characters, lots of the Fairbanks names. The um, Joe Vogler used to frequent. And, really? Oh yeah. Yep. Wow. And. Uh, Oh gosh, all kinds. Dick Randolph. So this is this where you, on, on kind of goes. Yeah. Is this how you got interested in politics? Yeah. Right. A young guy, and you're seeing all these people. Wow. Yeah, and and I'm just waiting tables and all kinds of interesting conversations and and uh, yeah, got into it. And then who was it? Roger McBride, I think, ran for president, and I had just gotten out of high school and. Randolph thought I should get involved with that campaign, and away we went. <laughs> and Dick Randolph's still around. He was helping the governor out, yep. and he's kind of an advisor, yep. constitutional. Yep. Um, interesting. He was, I think, the first libertarian ever elected to a state right. house. Yep. Um, and there was another guy. There was three of them. There was him and, and Ken, da- Dave Cuddy, no, who was well, Republican, in, but he was kind of with yes. He was kind of with them, and then Ken Fanning, right? Ken Fanning. Yep. I heard. I don't know if this is true, but I heard. In the early '80s, that there was uh, some bill or something, something going on about the ta- income tax, and mm-hmm. th- they they were um, having the vote on it. And and Ken, I heard Ken had had hid in the ceiling for a couple days. To, oh. There was a call on the house, and he was oh. in the ceiling trying. To, <laughs> they finally found him. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. But, was yeah. he? Is he Fairbanks too, Ken? Or? Well, he was from Fairbanks. He had lived in Fairbanks for quite a number of years. He now lives in Mexico. Oh, he's still, but, he's, yeah. he'd be a good podcast, huh? Oh, you bet. You should go find him. Yes, right. So yep. um, you said the restaurant now, it's still there, but it's a different... Well, it's a different name. Soapy Smith's is the name of the restaurant now. And, and you told me Nick Stepovich runs Nick it? Nick Stepovich. I heard, I, heard, I heard he's a bit of a character. Nick, is a, he takes after his dad. He's, yeah. <laughs> I've heard some stories about him. Nick's great, yeah. So, so you, were, you were on the borough assembly, but that was yep. much... Later, so in the eighties, what were you doing? In the night, what were you? Well, I I started with Alyeska just at the tail end of construction in seventy seven. Uh, actually, worked a few years in Valdez and then got transferred up to the pipeline. So I worked for worked for Alyeska 
20 something years. All right. What, what, what kind of job were you working well, They doing? call it a pipeline technician. I ran the equipment and fixed it when it was broke. Did you, uh, what's that thing called? Is it a, a pig? Yep. They put it in the pipeline like put a robot? A robot? Um, well, yeah, you could call it a robot, but it's not that sophisticated. It's just a remote sensing. They put a bunch of instruments to measure the um, thickness of the pipe, looking for any pits, cracks, so you've been, deformities. Have yeah. you seen a lot of the pipeline all the way up and down? Or? Oh, yeah, from one end to the other. Remember years yeah. ago, it was a while back, when some, some idiot shot the pipeline? Oh, my goodness. Remember that? Yes. He's very lucky. So, so how do, I mean, there's these pumping stations, right, that keeps the oil. So if something happens at one part of the pipe, they can stop, they can shut it down, right, through a previous or prior station, or they can stop yeah. the flow? They, they, you have to, in certain places, you have to shut pump stations down in sequence. Um, but, yeah, and then there's all these remote gate valves, I forget. They're, they're, they have to be installed... X number of miles apart to limit the total spill of the oil. If there was what they call a guillotine cut, if if the pipe broke in half, mm-hmm. you can only spill X amount of oil. Now, I remember when that guy shot. It. I don't know what he was doing, but oh, I remember was, that was... he was drunk. I think and well, lucky shot. Um, was there did it? Was there a leak? There was a leak. Yeah. Wow. Well, who would I, do, what, a, what, a, what an idiot. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, and yeah, I think it was much to his surprise because. It comes out at that point, oh, pretty close to 900 PSI. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And that little bitty hole squirts a bunch of oil. <laughs> and I'm sure he got covered in oil. I'm sure he probably got in some trouble, too. <laughs> he ended up spending a couple of years in jail over that. Wow. Yeah. So you uh, you told me you were on the borough assembly from 97 to 2000. So mm-hmm. what? why did you, what, what made you decide to run for... For that for that race, well, inter- very interesting experience. There, there was, um, I forget. I was down at an assembly meeting for something or other, and literally the uh, employee labor contract was up for approval by the assembly, and it was on the consent agenda. And a couple of assembly members voted to take it off the consent agenda, and the mayor got up and left. And twenty minutes later, the place was filled with union employees. I said, well, something is bad wrong here. So I decided to run for the assembly. And uh, there was four other people in the race. And when it's one against four, the one wins with... If they're they're different, yeah. Yeah, right. I I stood out and that's how I won. So I got on the assembly and... uh, This is is Borough, not not Fairbanks. Right, the North Star Borough. And it was just a real, really humbling experience. The reason I got on was totally irrelevant. There, there was a, it was great to find out that there was just a bunch of really dedicated people working for the borough, trying to do the right thing that they saw. And they, you know, I, I tell people they're, from my perspective, they're they're doing the wrong thing, but they're doing it very well. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to put it. Yeah. So you did the one one term. Did you run again, or did you not? run? Well, did I did look? run again, and uh, oh, what was the deal? Oh, I I made some comment. There there was a resolution or something down here about capping the property tax mill rate, mm-hmm. and the newspaper asked me whether I thought that should be considered. I said, Well, yeah, you ought to consider it. 
and a former assembly member didn't even want it considered. And anyway, he filed against me, and and uh, he got more votes than I did. <laughs> it's incredible sometimes, you know, yeah. what, what 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 makes somebody decide to run for an office. Yep. So yep. what what what? No, I I talked to some folks in Fairbanks when you got when you got one of the when you were one of the three names sent to the governor. Um, some of the folks in Fairbanks described you as kind of all, always at the meetings or attends I, a lot of the meetings. I, I did. I kind of uh, made it a hobby to just attend assembly meetings because it was apparent sitting on the assembly what is needed is more testimony, more input from the average person who doesn't have a special reason for being down there. I cover uh, when I'm in Anchorage. I go to the Anchorage Assembly meetings, and right. sometimes it it does um, amaze me when things are happening. And maybe it's not a big thing, but it's a half a million dollar right. allocation for some project, or there's something hundred thousand. And it's just incredible to me how oftentimes at those meetings, no one's there. Maybe right. five or ten people are there, and yep. for different reasons. And yep. there's one or two reporters, but. Uh, I think a lot happens on the local level in government that nobody ever really sees. Right. I mean, it happens in public. You can, you can see if you want to, but no one's there to watch. No one's there to watch. And there's an economic incentive. When you want something done, you you want this park improved or whatever, you want something. It means a lot to you. And it might be your job. It might mean a hundred thousand dollars a year, or it might mean twenty thousand or something like that. But you have a good reason to be down there. But if you're just the average tax person, it means a nickel here, a dime there, a mm-hmm. dollar there, and it's not worth. It's definitely not worth your economic time to be down there. But we have to pay attention. That's. That's the way the system's supposed to work, and we got to make it work that way. So I think there's there's the, ta- the obviously the side of, of the public. You're right. I mean, if something happens, it might cost them a dollar or fifty mm-hmm. cents. But what I think is more um, interesting that ha- maybe happens more is folks want something done that benefits themselves or benefits right. a group or, or something happens, and and the public, if they knew, they might be upset or they might say, "Wait a minute, why?" You know, but but so many resolution not resolutions, so many ordinances or so many little things happen at any given meeting mm-hmm. and and even folks like me that kind of pay attention you have to look at the agenda you have to kind of yep. I mean, it takes a while it takes so, so yep. things can happen yeah and i was reading a, a article somebody sent me a year or two ago about the kind of the decline in the amount of media and and reporters there are now mm-hmm. and and they say there's a direct they've this study big study happened and there's a huge direct correlation between the amount of reporters in a given community and the amount of spending and corruption that happens. And the less, shockingly, the less reporters, the more spending and the more corruption. Because mm-hmm. because nobody's, even these little like platting board or zoning board yep. or these, they have meetings, you know, and yep. things happen in these meetings. Yep. And uh, even some of these like in the legislature, the subcommittees, I go watch some of the subcommittees sometimes. Right. I mean, no one goes to the subcommittee meeting. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and that's the ones you have to, that's where it gets done. It's at the subcommittee level. By the time it reaches a mass media story, more often than not, it's too late to do anything about it. I think one of the kind of most most uh, telling or one of the, the most profound things I ever heard was, you know, Robbie Robinson. He's the guy with the Boston Globe. He, he oh, okay. spotlight. He did the big they did the big story on the Catholic Church abuse. Oh, mm-hmm. and he came to Anchorage a couple of years ago and spoke at a Commonwealth North event talking about journalism. And there mm-hmm. was a lot of people there and I went to it and he had talked about the story about the Catholic Church 
and how the new publisher who took over had read a story in the Boston Globe by the courthouse reporter mm-hmm. about somebody who had filed a lawsuit against one of the priests. And that kind of sparked his interest. And he said, look, I think we should look at this and we should, there might be a story here. And that, that kind of push got them to do the whole story that we've all all over the world have seen. Right. And Robbie Robinson in that meeting said, in that uh, presentation said, now the Boston Globe does not have a courthouse reporter. So hmm. that's the whole reason that story got out because somebody was right. watching the courthouse. And that's another thing. I mean, there's the assembly meetings in yeah. the legislature, but there's also what happens in the court. And a lot of stuff oh, happens yes. in the court. I mean, yes. a lot of stuff. And 90% yeah. of it, 95% of it probably never gets reported right. on. Yeah. And yeah, that is a shame. And it's reporting is difficult because you have maybe five, 10 minutes if you're doing a radio program to describe what took place over a three-hour period. Yep. And you have to pick and choose what's important, what's interesting to people, and those kind of things. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a really important function to, to be there and then try and try and be objective. Um, and also yep. try to understand, you see something, but then you got to figure out, well, okay, I saw that, but, like, what's really going on? Yes. Where's, where's all this coming from? Who's, yep. behi- who's doing it? Why is it happening? Yeah. And that's oftentimes takes... Way oh, longer than the meeting. A lot of work, yes. To, to, to really out. dig into things takes a long time. And, um, yeah, there's the lady, I mean, i got to give her a shout-out. Amanda Bowman does the follows the assembly for the Fairbanks Daily Newsminer. Mm-hmm. And she does dig in in the time that she has available. She tries to dig in behind the scenes a little bit. But there's only so much space in the newspaper and so much that they can pay her. And yep. Uh, and then she has, she interprets things through her eyes. And sometimes you'll be at the same meeting and you'll think you were at a different meeting. And she's trying, she just sees things differently. Yep. And so you, you have to, you have to be there to really see what's going on, see all the nuances of what's going on. And if, I suppose you have to like it, but, you know, people stay home and watch television. Well, that's fabricated life. And at least at the assembly meetings, it's real life, and you get to when you look at it, it's entertaining. You got to look at it. For it can be very, it can be yeah. very it can be very entertaining. Yep. Legislature too, more yes, so. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So you've been here for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what's been your impression? I know you've paid t- attention to what's going on here. Yeah. What What's the difference between looking from the outside and now here we are in your office in the Capitol and looking from the inside? Um. Sort of the same experience as stepping onto the assembly. A bunch of people, some of whom I had very little respect for, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But now you get to talk to them and talk about whatever it was you were disagreeing. And again, there's a whole bunch of people that have their differences, uh, but they're all trying their best. That, I, that I, I can say for them. I've always kind of said that I think 99% of people, I mean, there's a few people that you know, a very small percentage who maybe want something bad to happen. But the yeah. vast majority of people here in the building and in general Alaskans, they all want to get to the same place. Yeah. They want to have a good economy. They want to have good good jobs. They right. want to have, you know, safety. They want to have all these things. Yeah. Um, but I've always said maybe me and you and somebody else, we might have a different way, to, we might have a different way of getting there. Yep. But we all want to get to the same place. Yeah. And how far, how, how fast do you want to get from here to there? And, um, you know, I would like to see lots of change, but 
Yeah, I'd like to be able to jump across the Grand Canyon, but the odds of making it are low. You got to walk to the bottom and crawl up the other side. That's the reality of it. That's a good. <laughs> unless you're evil, can evil. Yeah, right. And even he, I think even I he think got he hurt. had trouble. Yes, yeah. right. <laughs> That's a good analogy. You want to run run across, but the reality is you got to go down. That's yep. interesting. I like that analogy. <laughs> so, so you're um, you're with the House minority, the Republican minority. Yep. Uh, I assume. Judging some of your remarks you made, you're kind of a full full PFD. Yep. And mm-hmm. and think we should try to re- reduce spending more. I mean, because if we do the full PFD, we have to take a out of the earnings reserve or the constitutional budget reserve, which is getting pretty pretty small, getting pretty thin. Yes. In yeah, in the short run, we have got a serious cash flow problem, uh, and well, right now the it appears a sentiment of the legislature I'm kind of concerned is that they're going to keep spending and uh, that's going to come out of the PFD. I'm not too crazy about that. If it was just an individual running their own savings account, you would you would do it a little different. You would say there still is. there's In, in the PFD, there is today more money in that account by far than what we thought there would be at this time when the voters back in 76, I think it was, authorized the permanent fund. So you would, you would have voted for that, right? I voted for the I mean, permanent you would, fund. You would have voted in that election, yeah, because you were... Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the probably, first first time I voted, I think, was for the... It must have been, what, 20, 20-something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when Representative Johnston uh, speaks, oftentimes she talks about how she was yeah. around two and vo- voted, voted for it. It was funny, and I... Didn't recognize the name, but... Uh, Fair, she's Fairbanks, right? Yeah, I know. She and I worked together on Randolph campaigns. Yeah, because she was... Her yeah. and Senator Birch, too, my, my yep. passed away, but they yep. were all living in Fairbanks, and they moved yep. to Anchorage years ago. And yep. um, I remember I was in Fairbanks once for a, been a convention or meeting, and, and they were there was a fundraiser at somebody's house on kind of a... It was a lake, kind of an artificial lake, maybe. Oh, yeah. Was, mm-hmm. and, and they were all talking about, you know, we used to all live in Fairbanks, and... yeah. They have, they have connections there. Yeah, yeah. So there's the, the the dividend is the big kind of elephant in the room, but there's also all kinds of other issues happening. Oh I mean, my there's, gosh, yeah. There's crime still kind of, not as much as before, but that's still being talked about. It seems to me Fairbanks doesn't have the same crime issue as Anchorage. Um, when I was up yeah, there. Yeah, I think that's true. And Anchorage has gotten pretty pretty bad. It's, it's not great. That's what I hear, yeah. And I don't know, per 100,000, maybe it's the same in, I don't know, you know, Fairbanks is a smaller town. Um, it's got its problems, like everywhere, but, you know, there it is. We want to, you know, reduce crime. How do you do that? Well, throw everybody in jail. On the other hand, we don't want to pay for the jail. So mm-hmm. we got to make some decisions here. If you want the, if you want the PFD like I do, well, then you got to dig in and and say what you don't want. You have to be able to put up with less of something if you want the PFD over the long run, for sure. Do you think, it seems a lot of Alaskans, you know, last year the governor proposed some pretty deep cuts. That's for sure. <laughs> and, and it seems a lot of, whether it's people who support university or people who yep. ride the ferry or yep. people who, you know, support K-12 through education or any kind of thing, it seems like there was a there was a huge backlash about, about yes. the cuts. So do you think the public is, um, you know, ready 
to, to, to make the trade for, for the, the full dividend? <clears throat> yeah, I would say still that the general public, those that don't go to the meetings, but go out and vote, he, what, he got 53% or something like that. Uh, in District 3, I want to say, it, I forget if it was 73, maybe, I think it was 73% for Dunleavy in District 3. And in the precinct that I live in, it was like 78%. Was oh. one of the highest turnouts for Dunleavy. So, so you're, you're talking about essentially kind of the silent majority. Yes, the silent um, majority. The, the, the Nixon, yep. Nixon. Yep. Right. Uh, era. Yep. So, what? Um, Fairbanks is so much different than Anchorage and, and mm-hmm. Juneau, and mm-hmm. it seems like the Republican support, support in Fairbanks is probably higher than other parts of the of the state. Is that, is that right? Or uh, the the raw numbers, Republicans um, versus. Uh, if you will, registered Democrats is considerably higher in Fairbanks than in most of the other parts of the state. Maybe Matsu is a little bit more Republican. I don't know. But yes, there's a very um, strong Republican contingent and still quite a few, if you will, of the Goldwater Republicans, but now I'm dating myself. <laughs> 64, right? <laughs> yes, right. I read that. I don't know if you've read the book Nixonland, but Nope. It's, a, it's a really good book that deals talks basically about the rise and kind of fallen Nixon. Oh yeah, a lot of it's uh, there's talk you know Goldwater and Reagan and that whole era yeah. of uh, yeah. the '60s and, and um, politics because everybody thought Reagan was was dead politically. I mean, or I'm sorry, Nixon was dead politically because he he had been vice president for eight years right. with Eisenhower, but mm-hmm. then he ran for uh, president against Kennedy. Kennedy. Kennedy beat him, yeah, and then he ran for governor of California and, got and he him. lost, yeah. And that was 62, yep. and then Goldwater came around, and, and, you know, Johnson won. Yeah. But Nixon, at that point, everybody thought he had no chance. Right. But then a lot a lot of similar things happening now in the country that I think were happening in the 60s. Yeah. There's the racial kind of things, income inequality. There's, you know, me- medic, medical, co- all these things were happening then. Right. I think it was much worse then because there was these assassinations and there was all this civil rights, you know, horrible things happening to a lot of folks. But a lot of people, I think, were upset about a lot. The Vietnam War in Vietnam. The Vietnam War was and, a big deal. And yeah. people weren't saying what they thought, but they went right. and they voted. Yep. And that's the whole 68, the silent majority. I remember in that book, it talked about how the media was so confused, they got it wrong. Mm-hmm. And they there was a big self-reflection kind of re- from right. a lot of the media saying, what did we admit? Like, what's happening? Because yeah. nobody thought he was going to win. Right. I mean, well, the same with Trump. Very sim- Yeah, very similar yeah. type thing. Yep. People are just kind of... They might feel a certain way or think a certain, but they don't want to maybe say it. But they right. go, but they, you know, they and go I vote. I think, I think actually with Trump, there was a big. I watched that. I was, that was really fascinating. I didn't think that Trump was going to make it through the primaries, and then everybody thought he was going to get beat. And um, I forget who some investment letter guy said that Trump was going to win, and and the way to make money off of this is to play the market. When when he wins, the market's going to crash, and then it's going to recover. And if you watch this, buy low, sell high, you're going to make a lot of money. And I said, well, I'm going to take that risk. But <laughs> I watched the returns coming in and all, you know, the national talking heads, and they were just flabbergasted, just oh, visibly think... shocked that this could possibly happen. Yep, I remember watching, too. I, yeah. I never thought... I just didn't think it was going to happen just because yeah. of the, the, the Hollywood tape and all the other. Yeah. It just seemed like it was going the other way, but yeah. it, um, 
but he really connects with people, even more so than Reagan was able to connect with people. And I have, by and large, um, better results than I expected from the Trump presidency. It's been it's a, very it's so good. it's so yeah. fascinating how how somebody like him, who's an elite New York kind of billionaire, mm-hmm. is able. To, it just it just fascinates me how, how he's able to connect and and listen to and kind of say what the, these people want to hear. You know, it's right. it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, he's a construction sort of a guy, and he he does. I think you know. Uh, honestly connect with the mindset of the average Joe Dokes that just would like a job and isn't too interested in the I, government and whatnot. I, I think I think a lot of people, and I talk to a lot of folks and who are maybe very moderate or maybe center-right, mm-hmm. but I think people are just really genuinely tired, average person who goes to work of, of you know, being called a racist or being called a sexist. Yeah. I just saw, right. I saw a thing... I just posted something about Elizabeth Warren mm-hmm. and all these people are saying, oh, we're such a sexist nation because, right. and I said, I just think she was a really bad candidate. I don't think it had to do yeah. with, you know, Hillary Clinton actually, you know, won the popular vote. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like one day we're, we're the sexist, racist people, but then the next day it's like, well, we ignore if, if you know, like Hillary Clinton gets a popular vote, that right. doesn't, those things shouldn't, you know, they don't reconcile. Right. And those yeah. people who, 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 who aren't necessarily political, but they, they get angry about something they say or do all of a sudden they're everybody's a racist yeah this, they, they go vote they do yes and the political correctness movement has gotten way out of hand it's just we're all imperfect we but, but everybody mostly gets along well, the, the, the new thing is now they go back and they they find somebody's you know a tweet from 10 years ago yes or, or something somebody yeah. wrote 20 years ago and yeah that's the new one yeah <laughs> well and that that yeah that is interesting that happened to me Oh, I don't know, 10 years ago, I was working on that, um, what was that called? The Anti-Corruption Act? Yep, that, I and that. I was kind of the interior coordinator for that, which turned into, that was a good experience too. Um, but somebody sent a letter to the editor about something I had said 20 years prior to that. <laughs> oh, wow. And I thought, I didn't say that, so I... Uh, went down to the news miner and found the article. Well, sure enough, I did. <laughs> but who in the world would keep track of what some nitwit in Fairbanks says? You know, I, I'm nobody. Why would somebody even bother to keep track of that? But there's people that, that well, and, used to do that. And, well, and they still do. What, what I've told people, what I've cautioned people is you cannot live you cannot live in a free society if everyone's scared to talk. Exactly. Or give an opinion. Yes. If they're yes. scared of, if I say something, and if I say something a little bit wrong, or if I say yep. something that's not you know, phrase right, then I'm going to be attacked. Right. If people are, that's how the Soviet Union worked. I mean, people were exactly. scared to say anything. Absolutely. Because somebody yep. was listening. The neighbor might report yeah. you. Yeah. And that's not a free, that's the opposite it's of a the free opposite. society. And what's odd there is it was imposed from the top down and we're building in many ways the same thing from the bottom you're, up. You're absolutely right. It's, 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 and it's, that's even more dangerous. People talk about yeah. free speech and, and, you know, I think a lot of folks have talked about this, but, you know, free speech doesn't protect Polite speech. It protects right. offensive speech or controversial speech. Yes. And, yeah, the and, and there are people that are obnoxious, um, but there are people just have a different 
different way of coming across. You have a different style than I do. That doesn't make you a bad person. Well, and if yeah. somebody really is, is is a bigot or hateful or a racist, I'd, I'd actually prefer to know that yep. about them so I know, hey, this is somebody yeah. I don't, you know, instead of somebody, you know, not saying it, how they really feel. And then, and then they're, do, you know, yeah. you, 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 they're kind of pulling the wool over your eyes. Yep. And, and a lot of that racism and bigotry is driven by uh, things imposed on somebody else that the, um, well, the little community that I lived in, I had never, ever actually seen a, uh, what's the right, the politically correct term now, African American uh-huh. person. I had never seen one of those till Growing I got up? to yep until I got to Fairbanks. Wow! <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, I still remember a guy, Roselle Burns, uh, and he went through you know real honest discrimination and whatnot. He 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 was lived in the I forget which state, but in the deep south through that time when. Oh, what was his name? George Wallace and all oh, yeah. that hoopla. But he was just the nicest guy you could ever meet. <laughs> he was in North Pole? He, he lived in, uh, he worked in Fairbanks. And, uh, oh, I saw him for, oh, I'll bet a, a year and a half. And just this fellow that's walking down the street knows well. He always had a bench broom in his pocket. In his back pocket. He cleaned the Nordstrom store in Fairbanks, which is now the First National Bank, is where Nordstrom's was a big, huge store, mm-hmm. and did the whole thing by himself every every night, and he just knew how to do it. And then when we opened up the restaurant, he was a friend of Stepovich's, so we got to know Roselle, and he showed me how to mop a floor. <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and dance while you're doing it and and just just a great guy and uh yeah you know you meet people and he happened to be of a different culture than I was but and that's what it is it, it really isn't we're all human beings there's only one race human race we have different cultural experiences well that's the best yeah. way to learn about somebody is to interact with them yep and you start yep. to realize all kinds of things yeah and, and the differences, and, but also the similarities. You know, we all yeah. want we all want to have a house or a family and a job. Absolutely, it's all yeah. the same kind of yeah. big picture yeah. the desires or yeah. Goals. And that was yeah, that was one of the nice things about uh, working at the at the uh, restaurant. You got exposed to a lot of that and others that you know to go down. I guess the the racial tension thing. There was a guy named uh, J P Jones. He was the local organizer for the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People at Mm -hmm. the time. And I knew him publicly for quite a few years, and I didn't quite agree with, but then I can't remember the occasion, but met him in a bar one night and sat down and had a conversation. Same deal. Great guy. Just, you got to get to know people. Was it it the Botel, maybe? Oh, no, no. It was downtown (laughs) in the... the, uh, Northward building. I love the Botel. Botel was I go to Fairbanks. There, yes. the Big Eye, and then yep. North Pole. I got to say the Badger Den. The Badger Den. Yep. That's a, <laughs> yeah. that's a good, some interesting characters in that spot. Yep. 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 Yeah. 
Well, it's been a great conversation, yeah. Representative Brox. I really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah. Um, you, you're uh, running, I guess, for re-election, right? Have you filed? Or? Yeah. Well, I haven't filed. I, I got to get around to that. It really doesn't, except people got to know I'm wanting to do it, but you, can, can't you can't really start campaigning until this is over. Yeah, you can't raise money or do anything until the session's over. Right. So I yeah. think you have till June 1st, though, to make Something it, make like it that. official. Yeah. That's the deadline. Yeah. Right. Well, it was it was great talk, talking to you. And I got to say, to follow up on the previous conversation, I didn't know you at all. I knew you from some Facebook posts. And, right. And I kind of thought, oh, this guy, this guy might be a little, might be a little out there, you know. But then I <laughs> met, is. but then I met you, and then I, I watched some of your floor speeches. And then who was it? Some, somebody, uh, somebody a few weeks ago said, "Well, that guy is way different than I thought." In the hallway. Well, yeah, and the same thing. A lot of people down here, they're way different than I thought in a very good way, and that's that's really been a blessing for this job, and it's going to be fun. Yep. Well, I really enjoyed doing the podcast, and right. we'll see you around. All right. Sounds good. All right, Representative yep. Prox, thanks, thanks again. So. Appreciate it. You bet. All right, folks, if you want to do a podcast or have an idea for a podcast, uh, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.